Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of You, Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am the creator and host of this podcast for over five years now, which is bonkers. I'm also the founder of the Feely Human Collective, a community that is dedicated, passionate, yearning, hopeful, feely, messy, mushy, all rooted in empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. More on that in a bit. But first, I want to introduce this episode, which is episode 245 on heartbreak, love, and toxic masculinity with artist and author Timothy Goodman. Timothy is the author of the new book, I Always Think It's Forever, a love story set in Paris as told by an unreliable but earnest narrator. In this conversation, we talk about heartbreak and the heightened romanticism of new relationships, the vulnerability of opening ourselves up to love, why service is Timothy's word for 2023, and the isolating, dividing, and bypassing power of toxic masculinity. I really cherish this conversation. I cherish all of the conversations on this podcast, but I really connected to Timothy. There is one moment in his book that I deeply connected to where he mentions growing up and seeing two adults in pain and how it, quote, made me never want to open up my heart. As someone who saw a lot of pain, saw a lot of suffering, saw a lot of stuff I shouldn't have seen, uh, I certainly learned to shut down early on as a coping mechanism. And I connect to Timothy in that way. I'm sure I can connect to a lot of you in that way. And I'm grateful to Timothy who, to little Timmy and to Timothy, little Timmy for protecting him and Timothy now for being open enough to write a book about being vulnerable and what it means to be a man and what it means to be an artist and how art is political. And we we really get into it in this episode. We get very feely and I loved every, every bit of it. You can uh, order Timothy's book. It is out now. I always think it's forever. You go to tgoodman.com slash books, tgoodman.com slash books. Make sure to order it from your local independent bookstore. Um, if you don't have a local independent bookstore, go to bookshop.org and order it there. Uh, bookshop.org supports uh, independent bookstores. It's a great resource, but go to go to uh, Timothy's website. Check it out there. Give Timothy a follow on Instagram at Timothy Goodman. And uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Um, as aforementioned, the Feely Human Collective. So in January, on January 11th, in fact, uh, a little, little less than a month ago, I launched a membership community for Feely Humans, like Timothy, like myself, folks who want to grapple and grow with the challenging, beautiful, messy powers of empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity to, to really be witness to the whole of ourselves and each other in connection with one another. In this episode, in, in the episode, mind you, I, I talked to Timothy about rugged individualism and the toxicity of that. And what I'm trying to do with Feely Human in this membership community is, is to to remind ourselves, because it's so easy to forget, because capitalism and, and what and what have you, right? 
So easy to forget that we truly, this is my belief, we truly grow in connection with one another. We need each other in that way. We need that mirror. We need that reflection. We need that perspective on our bias and assumptions and, and all of it. It's, it's essential. It's essential. So it's what we are together fostering and creating over there in the Feely Human Membership Community. And if you join before February 11th, just in a few days, uh, you can be a founding member, which is $20 a month or 200 bucks a year. Um, it comes with monthly expert-led workshops. We have weekly deep dive sessions on things like boundaries and listening and the books that shaped us. Those are led by me. We have a twice-monthly emotional check-in cohort where we talk about how we're feeling and we learn to listen to one another be present with one another's vulnerabilities. Uh, we have a feely movie club called The Movies That Make Us Feel. We have, um, what else do we have? A deep dive space on grief. We have lots of spaces to talk about our mental health and our feelings and our joys and, and just a place to connect with, with other folks who are in their feels. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there. Again, if you join before February 11th or by the end of the day on February 11th, You'll be a founding member, 20 bucks a month. You can also join as a free member at any time. Uh, there's, there's some cool stuff. As a free member, you don't get any of the events, uh, although sometimes I'll open it up to uh, free members. But yeah, join as a free member if you want to check it out. Just kick the tires a bit. If you also want to join as a founding member and you, don't, you can't afford $20 a month, please reach out to me. DM me on Instagram at feelyhuman or just email me hello at feelyhuman.co. That's hello at feelyhuman.co. And just let me know uh, if you want a sliding scale option. I'm happy to accommodate. I don't want money to be an obstacle for a community like this. So if that's for you, great. Email me, hello at feelyhuman.co. And please join. Please consider joining. Or please, if you can't and it's you don't have the capacity right now or the energy, that's okay too. But if you could, please share it with your friends. Please share it widely. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more about the community, go to feelyhuman.co slash membership. That's feelyhuman.co slash membership. And I'll, I'll make sure to include that link in the show notes. Okay, enough about that. Please leave a rating and review for the podcast, of course. That's a way to support me. And make sure to pick up Timothy's beautiful book. I always think it's forever. It's available now. And uh, enjoy this episode, episode 245 on heartbreak, love, and toxic masculinity with Timothy Goodman. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans 
trying to be human on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. Yumi Empathy was created so that we can be witness to our collective humanity through the lens of empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. We aim to destigmatize mental health, lead fiercely with our hearts, feel our feelings without shame and judgment, and share our courageous stories so that others may feel less alone and more connected as feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a brave place designed to inspire the beauty in, a, uh, the beauty in each of us, because each of us, in all of our kaleidoscopic parts, makes up a magical whole that deserves to be seen. Today, I am just a sensitive, soft, feely boy seated in front of another sensitive and soft, feely boy by the name of Timothy Goodman, an artist, designer, and author, asking them to podcast with me. Hello, Timothy. How are you? Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well as well. Um, happy to have you here. Happy to talk your book. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, I read it. It's out January 31st. Yes. Uh, very excited to talk January about that. January 31st. Yeah. Very excited about yeah. talking about that and uh, talking about feelings and toxic masculinity. But before we get into it, uh, an emotional check-in. We always start with an emotional check-in. How are you... How are you really feeling? Let's get into it. You know, I, I was just telling you before we went on air, like I, 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 I so want to feel uh, refreshed right now after the holiday break. I, I do not. And that's okay. Um, the question for me is how do I meet myself where I'm at? You know, um, how do I uh, let go of the desire I have have to feel more refreshed at this moment, you know, how do I let go of the uh, expectations and the mm. disappointment that I might feel about it and accept myself for, um, for, for being here, for feeling the way I do and um, find opportunity in those moments because everything is a moment to, every moment could be a, a moment to refresh or to catch my breath. Mm. to find my feet on the ground, uh, to find a sense of presence, to be here with you, to have a, you know, a human conversation. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's where I'm at. And it's beautiful. You know, that it, is beautiful. I love that yeah. meeting yourself where you're at. That's so we talk often about doing that for others. And, uh, I lose mm. track of in that process. I often lose track of how to do it for myself. Do you relate mm -hmm. to that? Yeah, of course. You know, I think we forget about ourselves, you know, in the process of all of all this and this thing called life, you know, and um, if you're not, if you're not uh, doing, I don't know, if you're not doing for yourself first, how can you do on for others, you know, in a real way, in a, you know, um, uh, so me and my girlfriend talk about that a lot, you know, even, the, even just it when you talk, when you think about a relationship, you know, sometimes I said to my, to Tina, my partner recently, I was like, Oh, you know, it's something, an interesting thing. You know, we've been together for a year and a half. And I was like, you know, an interesting thing I kind of forgot about um, was, was the moment to like be sad by yourself to like have a night where you're just sad. And it doesn't mean anything more. It doesn't mean, you know, cause you sadness is different than depression and all of that. Um, but to, you know, if you're in a melancholy mood and you're feeling sad and go have, have a, a sad dinner by yourself 
and do it, you know, yes. do it, you know, and, and so often when you're in a relationship and it's beautiful, like when you're feeling down or over your partner's like, what's wrong, babe, how can I help you? Mm. All that kind of stuff, you know, or like, let's go hang together. Let's like, let me, and, and there are many times where that is, is value they need it. But then there's all the times where I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling down and I need to just sit in that space by myself. Cause yeah. oftentimes, you know, when we talk about my new book. Oftentimes, those are the moments, as specifically a writer, as an artist, where I can really tap into my rawness of what it means to feel human, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that process sometimes, you know, when I'm in it, because I can really connect to like something deeper inside of myself and I can get it out creatively. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, instead, a lot of times, I mean, most of our lives are just lived with these moments going by, past this and you can't, and you're trying to connect there or try, Oh, let me write this thing down or let me, let me try to get this thought out. And, and yeah. it's gone. It's gone in the wind, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, so I'm always trying to kind of like find that those moments. It's good. And it's very well said and it's beautiful. And, uh, I feel like it's essential in that, and what I mean by that is, I mean, it's essential for many reasons, but one of the sort of crucial reasons I find that people forget is that if we're not sitting in the sadness, if we're not sitting in those harder feelings, those quote unquote harder feelings, we're just bypassing them. We're forgetting about mm. them. And then the, the sort yeah. of the more we get used to, you know, moving those aside or shoving them down or what have you, ignoring them. Uh, that becomes the pattern, and then and then when the harder feelings come up, or even harder feelings come up, right? Like we don't even know how to identify them, or how how to identify them in concert with how our body feels, or in concert mm -hmm. of you, you mentioned your partner, a relationship, right? Like, yeah, especially early on in relationships, I would love to hear you talk about this. Like early on in relationships, I've been married for thirteen years with my partner for fifteen, oh, wow. and. I still find this to be true, but especially early on in relationships, you there's a there's a sort of heightened romanticism where you do want to like be sort of emotionally connected and together uh, all of the time. And there's a certain, um, or at least I'll put this on myself. There's a certain expectation early on where like if I was feeling bad, you know, I was like very conscious of the fact like, oh, how is this impacting her? You know, and this is well before that I, I realized I even had depression. And now, like now, you know, 15 years on, there's a bit more understanding of like, you know, Jessica can address, can, Jessica can see the signs or see those moments and we can be maybe a little softer together or we can just mm -hmm. sit in it because we, we've done mm -hmm. that for years. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how like you're, you're in a relationship, year and a half. Still fairly new. How is the, how are the feelings? How are the feelings within that relationship? Like, what is what does that look like for you right now? Well, it's interesting what you were saying. You know, um, so Tina and I were in couples therapy together, and it's beautiful. Excellent. Um, I recommend every yes. every couple, uh, even specifically if things are good. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because when things are good, sometimes they're they're quote-unquote good and they, there's a lot going on that maybe um neither of you have kind of uh talked about or dealt with mm -hmm. but what i've learned in couples therapy 
is that I'm a secure, I mean, I've always known this to agree, but like in, in relationship to Tina, my, my partner, I'm a secure attachment. And, you know, like, I'm always kind of like, I don't feel secure in relationships a lot, you know, mm. and su- assuming, like, I assume, like, she's mad at me, or <laughs> if I don't do this, then she's gonna leave me or whatever. Sure. My brain is used, is like, you know, is used to receiving love and intimacy in a certain way as all of us are and obviously varying degrees. So it's like, you know, noticing that and being able to like get in front of it and evaluate like, Oh, this is my thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this attachment disorder I have is about me and you know, cause then I make matters worse. Cause then I'm like, I think this, or I think that and there's sure. a lot of presumptions that, you know, and it's like, yeah. but my, my liberation is tied to hers, you know, mm. in a lot of ways. And mm. it's like, our partners have direct access to our traumas and our triggers and all these things. And it's yeah. wild, you know, and, and there's no roadmap for this shit. You know, it's like, there's it, no road. It's yeah, yeah, where no we're road. going. We don't need roads. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. I, I feel like um, it's it's messy, and and as it should be. And I I think what is beautiful about that, and I, I often remind the listeners about this, is like, yes, things like capitalism and certainly toxic masculinity, which you talk about, um, tend toward isolating us, right? Tend toward pitting us against one another. Tend toward valuing i think overvaluing like rugged individualism Mm -hmm. and there's a certain Mm -hmm. i guess value in sort of finding our own way as people but i feel like the the more crucial bits are in what we find out about ourselves and each other in connection with other people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's harder right because we have a mirror for ourselves right we have a mirror you know, uh, Tina is your mirror, right? And and and, yeah. and 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 Tina is reflecting back on your own insecurities or your own attachments and stuff. And then there's that built-in accountability there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so it's messy and tough. It, it is, and um, it's obviously it's beautiful and. Uh, liberating in so many ways and i don't know here we are you know it's like just trying to figure it out as we go and trying to be um human and empathetic as much as one can during that process you know and to constantly stay evaluating and stay questioning and stay curious and um Mm -hmm. all those all those kind of things you know so uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. You yeah, know? yeah. In your book, you do talk a lot about you know it's a it's a it's a love story, it's a heartbreak story. Um, what what did you learn about yourself in that process? Because you know you you very very beautifully and vulnerably uh, share um, some hard things and some beautiful things, and certainly I'm like ah oh, gosh, I want to go to Paris uh, and and fall in love. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Like what? What have you learned to yourself through that that high, high love, and then the sort of mm. letting go of it? Well, you know, I showed up. I really like in the high, high 
love in the in the first part of the book, which was you know um, very hunky dory and kind of going to Paris and you know, taking that leap. I, I mean, for that, you know, it was a big step for me because I, it, the year before that, I'd gone through a massive amount of depression, and um, I um, coming out of that, uh, I really vowed to myself to like do things for me for 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 once you know and i really and through therapy you know really connecting the dots over the years like you know coming from the, my background coming from cleveland you know a, at a time when i was a horrible high school student very barely graduated was doing every drug you could think of you know having like go partying and every you know everybody from my childhood uh you know they would have thought maybe i would have you know, been a manager at a grocery store or something, you know, not that there's a, I'm just saying like, that's about as far as maybe I, so I came, so when I got really like activated when I was about 20, 21, and I stopped all that and I started taking all these community college classes in Tri-C in Cleveland and really like just convinced, like just convicted with like this desire to like, show prove everybody wrong and i was going to go to new york and be an artist and make it and all these kind of things and to prove my family wrong and all these things and i and i really um uh that really worked for me for a while you know what i mean and uh years later after i'd done many tremendous things and 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 all kinds of had all kinds of kind of like accolades within my field uh i wondered why i felt so empty Hmm. You know, and, and this is obviously an age old story, but it's like, you know, for myself to kind of like come face to face with why I felt after all these years of working myself to the bone and, and putting and throwing everything at the wayside, whether it was relationships or friendships or family or whatever, just, you know, for the sake of my career, for my work, uh, why I felt so tremendously, um, bankrupt inside mm. uh you know really forced me to be like okay and then going through as much depression as i went to went through in 2018 coming out again saying like okay i'm gonna do things for me now i want to like what oh what oh i've always wanted to learn french well like, i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i've always wanted to go like you know i didn't have any money growing up i couldn't go on you know, in college, I couldn't go, uh, you know, like do a, do a, a semester abroad or something. Well, yeah. maybe I'll do it now. Um, and so it was this really kind of like tapping back into this innocence and this childlike wonder, of like what, mm. what would it mean to, to show up for myself for once, you know, and I grow, I grew my hair, you know, I was always scared about doing that. I, I was cutting like super short, like it was small as that to as big as kind of like wanting to go to, to Paris. And, um, and so that was really profound for me, obviously in so many ways. And it's yeah. very like, e pray love kind of bullshit that I don't like always love, but like, you know, it's it very, you know, it, but yeah, I wanted, I was ready to, and I was ready to admit that I want, you know, so often we're not ready to admit that we want love, that we want companionship, especially, you know, for cishet men such as myself growing up in the communities that we grew up in, you know, where, you know, I grew up without a father, for instance, and like all my fathers were like, 
you know, rapid rock stars and mm. athletes, you know, and um, what was the language they used? Everyone was a hoe and a bitch and whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, even though you loved your mom or like, then there were the nice girls, but like there's, then there's the hoes and what, you know, like this complete, uh, everything is warped, obviously, you know, when you think in that kind of thinking. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm going on a tangent, but I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, I'm so grateful that you were able to do that for yourself, especially coming from where you did. And, you know, you, you, you include um, some of that in the book. Um, and I, I think that when I, I think we need to give ourselves a deeper kindness because when you come from a place, right? Like, um, and you don't have the support or you don't feel seen as a kid, uh, which is, was the case for me, you built up an armor, right? And you you try to, mm. or one can yeah. try to lose themselves in a process or in a career or in, even in the fact that you're making beautiful art and it's your passion, you can still sort of get caught up in the sort of the doing of it, right? And that's, I think that's capitalism. That's the toxicity of capitalism. Mm -hmm. So I think it's beautiful that you're able to pause and like, let's do all the things that, let's take a step back and do all the things that I had maybe wanted to when I was younger and, and now can. And to your point about love and finding love, romantic love and like deep, I see you love is vulnerable, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, vulnerability in men, right? Cishet men is, uh, is tough for many, right? For, for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And um we need it. <laughs> we need it we because need it. we're human. Yeah. Yeah. And so being there and, and knocking on the door saying, you know what, I'm ready. No, 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 I'm actually really ready. Uh, because a lot of times you say you're ready and, and it's like, you know. But I'm ready to, to, to meet this wherever I'm at. Like you like punching in your time clock, you know. Like, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. like, and and it's a case study, you know, it's a, it's really I want you know, I've done this several times over my career with certain projects, but and this is a case study about going after love unapologetically, even at the risk of being hurt, you know, and really like you know, and it's about trying to dig deeper. Um, um and it's about finding about finding the spectacular and the ordinary you know and that's really what it was for me so that's like the the part one of this whole thing and then the part two which is the eight stages of kind of heartbreaking grief yeah. uh through, through this story that was about uh going backwards you know hmm. that was about meeting meeting little timmy you know and uh, dealing with those traumas and, and that healing and uh, why I constantly react to relationships the same way and what my attachment issues are. Why do I have something called abandonment, depression, mm. and an attachment disorder? And, um, you know, really showing up for myself for the first time in a breakup, you know, and not, you know, and, and, and really being activated in that sense. Mm. Um so and probably facing yeah. the truth of okay here are the things that that I could have done better and and and, and here are oh, the things yeah. that they could have done better and looking at it honestly and with compassion 100% yeah. 100% and you yeah. know coming out of that too it's like I, I was thinking I was thinking about this the other day like everything I am everything I create as an artist 
has to involve everything like I've ever been, you know, mm. a son, a grandson, a nephew, a brother, a cousin, a friend, a boyfriend, an ex, a lover, uh, someone who is courageous and a sensitive softie, but someone who's also a shallow, uh, you know, uh, selfish asshole at times, you know, someone who yeah. loves, who's an ex coffee drinker and, and drinks tea, like someone who's a teacher and a student and like Clevelander and a New Yorker, like all of these things a traveler, a house, someone who was a house painter and now an artist, like a reader, a writer, like everything must include everything I've been. Like all of that, every time I touch a piece of paper or whatever, or a wall or, or, or like all of that has to come out in, the, in that stroke. Yeah. Um, or it's else all, it doesn't. All of us. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And that's a part of being seen and, and seeing, you know, and I think that's all we can ask for in a lot of ways. Well, it's the wholeness of you, Tim, Timothy, little Timmy. Uh, that's the wholeness <laughs> of you, right? Like mm-hmm. we, 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 I mean, I, I, I've been, I, the last couple of years, I've been doing a lot of like looking back on my childhood self and, and I was someone like you. And this is like the part of the book that I really, really connected to you. And I, I saw you and I'm like, ah, I feel you, buddy, um, where you said something along the lines of like seeing two adults in pain and how yeah. it made you never want to open up your heart. And yeah. I, I feel for you. And I, I, cause I, I did the same, you know, you shut down, right? Because it's, it's your, yeah. it's your armor, it's your survival tool. And yeah. that armor is, takes time to break down, you know? And so like you yeah. and me and anyone else who has put that armor up to, to sort of survive has to give themselves compassion in the process. Cause it's, mm. it's a lot of work, work worth doing, yeah. but it's, it's hard, right? Yeah. I'm 100%. Yeah. And you can't expect anything else. Like, you know, when you do see that kind of pain from two a adults you know your your parents um and you see that kind of thing in front of you or these arguments and this pain and and, uh this deep disconnect uh you know it's only natural in so many ways you know that i would grow up equating you know marriage or love or companionship with you know something that i considered weakness Mm. for a long time you yeah. know, or something that I considered a, maybe a man, a quote unquote man didn't have time for yeah. or whatever, you know, and you, you hide yourself in other forms of whether it's, you know, addictions or vices or, you know, however one, whatever one does to get through the day in some way. Um, and so, you know, but in my quest to be a more like self, actualized person self-actualized man in this world you know it it was imperative that i that i you know kind of confront that Mm -hmm. uh and so i'm thankful for that and it was painful and it's still painful in ways obviously and you know yeah yeah yeah. how like so you have this you know, uh, we're, you called it a eat, pray, love moment. It's not really that, right? Like we, I, I, I think that's such a universal moment. I, I, I think we, yeah. I certainly found myself in my thirties going through a similar sort of transformation. And I, I talk about this often, but it's like, 
when I met Jessica in 2007, very different person that I am now, right? And that's, mm-hmm. there's grief in that and there's beauty in that. And, and it's also essential that we change, right? Um, but I lost my train of thought. Uh, where was I going with that? Gosh, my brain sometimes. Um, Forgive yourself. Have compassion. <laughs> yes. Yes, have <laughs> compassion. I mean, you just made me think about just yeah. something, I, I, just in terms of um, the different versions of ourselves, of mm-hmm. course, you know, and, you know, that's something that I've been struggling with recently after, you know, kind of like, quote unquote, post pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's just like these, there's this clip in the matrix of like two years that or whatever that have kind of like you know, was I equate to like, you know, going under and with surgery and, and getting, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what is it called when you, when you, get, when, when, you know, when you, a when nose you go job? under surgery. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, when you go under surgery and you get a, uh, oh, oh, like a mask, like, like uh, uh, anesthesia. Anesthesia. You know, we, we found it. When you get anesthesia, you know, it's like that you're not sleeping. Do- doctors still haven't kind of like figured out exactly scientifically what happens. Like you, you have no recognition. <laughs> and it's just a complete kind of like delete of your life. Mm. And I kind of feel like that about the pandemic, you know, like I'm still, I'm mourning in a lot of ways, like some former version of myself that, and I've become someone else that I'm not quite sure who who this person is in a lot of ways and so we've lost time we've lost actual people we've lost connections we've lost relationships we've lost careers there's so much that has happened in that time you know and it's like now because of you know you talk about capitalism like we're expected to kind of like be right back at it yeah uh you know and 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 you know kind of expected to kind of like keep performing and uh working as if we're not all kind of like traumatized from this uh, is, is just a lot. So, you know, but isn't that, I mean, isn't that what we see again and again and again, right? Like it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where if we're not looking at it, if we're not being curious and softening into our harder feelings, right. We're just going to get used to bypassing it and forgetting it. And then when it comes up, like a global trauma like we've all experienced and losing over a million people, mm-hmm. horrifying. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're expected to kind of move on, get back to the nine to five and keep grinding away. And it's that's a trauma in and of itself. Yeah. You know, in addition to the fact that, yeah, we lost people and we maybe lost our jobs or we lost our sense of normalcy and we lost our anchors to what we valued then. And maybe we don't value now. And that's, yeah. that's hard. And, and that's grief laden. And, um, no, it's a lot, yeah. you know, and, and obviously there's so many different kinds of societal, um, forms of that, you know, whether, uh, you know, my, my partner Tina, she's from Iran, and everything that's happening over there right now oh, God, is so yeah. heartbreaking and devastating. And you know, there's been a lot of tears shed over the last couple of months and nights, sleepless nights, because of that. And she has family there, you know. Um, but this isn't new in any real way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the same can be said in so many other ways. Whether you know, I was just listening to. Uh, 
uh, uh, podcast with these with these black activists talking about you know the the quote unquote summer of George Floyd or Black Lives Matter, mm. and it's like they're like, hello, like this has been going on forever. Obviously, like you know, yeah. like everyone just decided that that summer they're going to rise up. And where where are we now? No one's talking about it. No one cares. They didn't care before. They didn't care after. It's only when it's in vogue or whatever. Performative, you know? yeah, and. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have any real answer to any of this, obviously, but I'm just, you know, as an artist, it is, I think, my job to um, be informed, to give a shit, to talk about it, to try to reflect it back out, um, whether it's, you know, something that is political or societal or, you know, personal, Um yeah, you know, I I take that responsibility. I don't know. I wouldn't say that I think it's the responsibility of all artists. Maybe it's not. But if you don't think that your art is political in some sense, and you don't understand how it connects to everybody, and that could be good or bad, then you are wildly um, misinformed. You know, I think you know as, a, as someone who puts things out into the world. So agreed. I I think. I think we are all inherently as humans political because we exist in the world and we exist in communities and we exist in capitalism. And we Everything exist in you capitalism. Do, what is the saying? The structural no, racism and we exist yeah. in all of it. Yeah. There's no ethical. What are they? And there's no ethical consumption on our capitalism. You know. So it's like, yeah. If you if you're not, I just think that like, if you're just a if you're informed and you're thinking about these things, then you're you're already sort of more in the realm of being okay than most people because most, you know, I, I think it's such a game and disservice for, for specifically creative people to not consider consider that. I mean, I guess you could say that for all people, but um, I think for- I think what what is clear and what I believe is that like passion, activism, advocacy you know, that stuff is not performative. That stuff is, that that stuff requires us to bring our whole humanity to it. And that includes the hard shit. And that includes our privilege. That includes our yeah. intersectionality. That includes all of it because it's all connected. Um, I, I, I rail often against the sort of, I, I mentioned it before, the rugged individualism that sort of permeates our culture. And I think it's just, I think it's just wrong. And I think it, I think it fuels toxic toxic masculinity. I think it fuels yeah. division in a world where we need more connection, right? We need those reminders of like, oh, like we shared this thing. Like that's an empathy, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? No, like me reading your book, man. right? You sharing stories and you sharing your vulnerability and me seeing like, oh, I see myself in Tim. Yeah. And that's a beautiful yeah. moment, right? That's what we can do as humans. Yeah. No, and it's you know it's about service and it's about community. Service is my word of the year. Mm, um, love it. How can I be more in service of of my community here in New York uh, for myself, for my family, mm. etc. So, um, but you know, it's funny. It's like that rugged individualism. You know, it's like that fountainhead. You know, Ayn Rand. You know, thing, Ayn Rand, or it's yeah, like sure, sure, or it's that. Uh, which I don't know. I, I, I grew up kind of reading that book, you know, when going to design school, it's like kind of a thing you had to the do. The fountainhead. Yeah. Yeah. The fountainhead. Yeah. I know? mean, we, we like, all had our Ayn Rand yeah. phase. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, 
also like i've been listening to a lot of frank sinatra recently i think because of the holidays or something being in new york too like the holidays in sure. new york and like yeah. just but it's like that whole like i did it my way you know like it's that frank said it's like there's a lot of obviously it's it's shiny and it's like it is you shiny. know there's a lot yeah. of it's 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 fun to be like, yeah, I did it. My, you know, and it, it is get me, you know, yeah. get out in the sales and like, you know, be, be this, but it's not real. Yeah. Well, in you, you know, to like deepen your compassion potentially is like, it's understandable that like you or I could get to a place where we're like, I'm going to do it on my own because no one, or in my case, I didn't feel supported or seen. And so like, I'd be, yeah. you know, it's a big fuck you to that. I'd be like, hey, I'm going to rebel and go yeah. out on my own and fuck you. You know, you have big fuck you energy after experiencing yeah. a lot of like being unseen, right? As a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in writing this book, in, in sort of being, you know, vulnerable and open about your heart and your feelings, like, what do you want, like, what is your message to sort of someone listening to this, someone reading your book who does identify as a cis man and and maybe is holding on to some of that Mm. armor, holding on to some of that, like, I have to be a beacon of strength in the world, right? Mm. Like, what would you say to that person? Mm. Uh, what's your, what do you tell me, which is the percentage of audience you have, you know, do you think fits that mold for you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Probably it's a, it's a small percentage. No, I'm um, just curious. Yeah. It's probably a small percentage. Honestly, there, there's a lot of feely, feely humans who listen to this, this show, but I, you know, maybe maybe those listeners know someone like that, right? And they can mm-hmm. share this episode with that person, right? I I mean, some of yeah. like I have like close friends who I think hold on to some of that, right? Yeah, of course. You I know? mean, I still hold on to some yeah, of that. If sure. I'm going to be honest here, sure. Um, it's just. So, what would you tell yourself then? How about that? No, listen. I think that I think what what's important. What I think should be understood is that all of it can exist at once. You know what I mean? Like I can, I'm just a human in this world who has adopted postures and attitudes and behaviors since the moment I was zero. Mm-hmm. So I'm mechanical to it. Even in my, even in my own liberation of it, even in my unlearning of it, I'm still a victim of it. Mm-hmm. So to accept that and be okay with that and understand that all of this stuff can coexist at the same time. You know, if I were to sit here and say, Oh, I'm, I'm healed from it. And I'm no longer (laughs) toxic in my, in any of these ways, or I've kind of shed all the things. It's bullshit, man. It's bullshit. It's like, of course, like, you know, and how it's like, you know, it's like Roxanne gay, bad feminist or something, you know, it's like, how do you, come to grips with, with it for your own, in your own terms, uh, continue to unlearn, continue to fight against it. Uh, and it continue to love yourself no matter what, you know? And I think that for me, 
it's about all of that. I can, I'm, I'm, it's like, it's like what I was saying, like everything I've been includes everything I am now or everything I'm going to create. So, um, you know, I think it's just about understanding that I can both be, um, this sort of, you know, character that I've always been maybe, or that, you know, this masculine person. And then I can also cry. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take away from my masculinity if I identify with myself as a mass person, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or that I can go to therapy and I can ask for help, but I can also, you know, at times believe in my own conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, or that I can, you know, uh, wear something feminine and still walk with just as much confidence, no matter, you know, because I know mm-hmm. I, I believe in myself and how good I look. Or I can wear something feminine today and then wear something, you know, very masculine tomorrow. Or I can, you know, ask my partner what they like sexually um, and not feel like I have this, you know, golden, uh, you know, whatever that is going to, that's, you know, I can, yes. we can talk about these things yeah. or, you know, any of this kind of stuff, you know, and I think, or that I can tell someone that I love, that I love them or that I can tell someone I haven't talked to in a long time that I miss them. Mm, yes, um, yes. Then I can tell another man that I love him, and it doesn't take away from any sort of uh, identification that I might have as a man, as a cis man. So all of it can exist, you know. And um, that's for you know. I just think it's important to also just to to just know that you know. And mm-hmm. so I think yeah. that's what I would tell someone, and that's what I tell people in my life. It's also you know so much of this is about. You know, when we talk about activism, when we talk about, um, I don't know, it's just so much of it is actually like on the individual level. Like, are you talking, are you calling out the person who says this around you? Like, this is where it actually matters, you know, like that's actually where it starts to matter. You know, are, are you having difficult conversations even with your progressive mother who voted whatever, but like who believes that this or that, you know, like, are you still challenging her? Are you confronting her? Now, listen, I don't, maybe not, that's not everyone's bag, but that's, that's what, you know, I believe in, Um, you know, and yeah. That's leading with your heart. Yeah. And, 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 and we can do it compassionately with ourselves, with others, like, I think what sometimes is lost is in like the ways that we can show up in that way. It doesn't have to be combative, right? Yeah. And that just takes like a, a a certain sense of presence and empathy, certainly. Like one example of like, so I lead empathy workshops on occasion and and there's a section in that workshop where we talk about the types of people who bug the shit out of us. Mm-hmm. As, a, as an exercise in like, okay, let's talk about like, how can we soften toward that archetype of a person, right? And the, mm-hmm. the example I always give is like the the guy driving that big truck and they have like huge truck wheels and maybe they have a Blue Lives Matter flag on their car. And I don't know if you've seen these, but they also have this like plastic testicle sack hanging off the back of their truck. I haven't seen that, no. <laughs> well, wow. you should be grateful for that, uh, Tim. I am. But I am. I am. That, that's my sort of, but then like, how can I step back and soften? Like, how can I say like, well, 
I'm a I'm probably making huge assumptions about this person. I'm I'm making a, an assumption that they're they're a Trump supporter. I'm making an assumption that they hate black people or whatever main whatever. But that's like that's just me building armor toward that person, right? That's me sort of like being defensive and 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 righteous in like my belief system or my framework of life. And while some of that may be sort of subjectively what I believe, it's still important to like take a step back and understand that like, hey, maybe they maybe they had testicular cancer, right? And that's why they have to, <laughs> you know, and it's not a sign of like, I'm gonna I'm fuck you or whatever, right? I mean, that's yeah, the curiosity yeah, yeah. that yeah. we need I as mean, humans. For sure. And I just also think that so much of this is about, you know, um, limited information in the world you know and like everyone's in their own little silos and like Mm -hmm. you know it's uh you know so many i have a lot of folks from back home who are trump supporters um and it's a very difficult thing because they're coming from a place of they know what they know and that's all they know Mm -hmm. um and so you have a you know, you have a decision to make as someone who might be in their life or might not be in their life. It's like, you know, everyone has to kind of come to grips with that, how they want, like whether that is cutting someone off or keeping them in your life and continuing to have those hard conversations uh, or trying to be a a kind of vessel of light in that way. Mm. Uh, But it's, but how you do it is obviously the most important thing because if you come at them finger pointing, they're not going to hear you, you know, and, so yeah it's a good point but i think what's important is that it's just to be able to have those conversations as much as possible um absolutely but there's no there's no answer to it you know it's a very difficult thing and i know a lot of people are go through it yeah as, they do. As, yeah and especially the last few years right especially since really uh 2016 you know it's a big yeah. turning point for sure you mentioned 2018 you were struggling with depression like how is your mental health nowadays my mental health i think feels sound these days um you know i still struggle with um, work overload at times that can kind of heighten a lot of anxiety if Mm -hmm. i don't feel um you know if i if i'm just kind of wearing myself if i'm just working a lot you know um sometimes that can really heighten my anxiety. Um, but it's just, you know, it's a constant kind of like back and forth and managing it. But I, you know, ultimately, uh, I feel, you know, on a whole, like pretty consistent these days. That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, last year, I, last year, 2019, no, 2000, I'm sorry, 2021, somewhere in the, middle and not last year that was two years ago i don't know where i'm maybe it's like end of 2021 maybe Mm -hmm. last i I was taking um xanax uh i took it for i've done this twice before where Mm -hmm. i've taken it for um about six months a a clip five or six months Mm -hmm. and that really worked for me to do that i know that's not what everyone does or nor should everyone do it that way or whatever just me and my therapist and the way we decided to go about it, it actually was um, 
a really, um, you know, very efficient way of doing it where I kind of like great. led into it, took it and then kind of like mm. kind of, you know, kind of, um, bled off of it the last like month or whatever. So, um, was that helping anxiety or depression? Yeah. 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 But, uh, both more anxiety at that yeah. at the the first time was was depression, but so much for me, so much of it is hand in hand anxiety mm-hmm. depression. Yeah. Um, yeah, whether depression kind of uh, encourages anxiety or anxiety at times can encourage depression. Um, yeah. They're they're friends sometimes. They are most of yeah. the time they're friends. Yeah, yeah, in my experience for sure. So you mentioned service being one of your words or your word for 2023. Like what is, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? Like, do you have like concrete plans to like embody that? Like, how does that inform your, your art going forward? Mm -hmm. You know, your relationship? Well, I mean, I think it can kind of like take many forms you know, over the years I've been doing, and I want to just continue to do this, but I do a lot of pro bono work, like art murals for like schools and communities and institutions um, with kids. I do a lot of workshops with kids, mm. um, art workshops. So that for me is, is service um, yeah. because so yeah. much of that is about them. You know, it's like, even like the, I just had a Nike shoe come out last month with famous basketball player, Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets. And it's it's been a wild last month. It's amazing. You know, it's kind of it's amazing. Legally called the KD15 Timothy Goodman with Nike. It's been Jeez, Louise. so. But that came from an act of service where I worked with Kevin Durant's charity foundation in 2020, and I drew all over this basketball court. So his charity foundation, they've been refurbishing basketball courts across America, mm. um, and a lot of times in impoverished neighborhoods. And so they were doing one in Brooklyn. And I did workshops with the students at this school, PS315. I did several workshops, art workshops. And then I took, I want, and then we did workshops where they told me what they wanted me to draw on the court. Um, And then, so that's kind of what encouraged the content that I did. And so then it it becomes a bigger story. And then you do this and it's like their court. It's no longer Mm. my court. It's the, it's, the students it's the neighborhood's court it's the community's court it's like and they they feel a sense of like ownership in that a sense of pride yeah because then they say i have the dopest basketball court you've ever seen <laughs> and you know it's like this and so there's a sense of pride in it that is no longer about me you know and mm-hmm. i think uh, i think so much i think if you're doing art right in a lot of ways then it, it becomes about like like a song you know that song is no longer about who, whoever wrote it it's about your you you know how you kind of you know, form it to your own journey and story wherever you're at. So I love that. Um, that's kind of like so much of service for me. And then, you know, even just using my, my platform in different ways, you know, I do this thing a couple times a year, a year where I'll, I'll like pay for several people's like online therapy. I'll do like an Instagram post and I'll ask like, if you need therapy, give me like a hands up and I'll select, you know, several people while well, pay for a month of their online therapy, you no, know, and just great. to get yeah. that conversation going for people who, you know, cause therapy is such a privilege mm-hmm. um, and can be so costly and, you know, yeah. um, and just to also just to continue to encourage people to talk about these things and, you know, be okay without being okay. And 
mm-hmm. all of that. So yeah. um, I love it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how are you feeling about the book? You know, we mentioned, uh, I always think it's forever is the book comes out January 31st. Um, there it is. There it is. I, I have it as well. Do you have a, Oh, you have a, you don't have the real no, copy. I have the, I have the ARC, the advanced reader copy. Look at that yeah. spine. Ooh, Look at that. Nice. Yeah. I got a, I got a ARC paperback. It smells so good. You really should get it. It's. I'm going to. It's very well put together. How how is that? How has that process been? Like writing a book, putting it out into the world, like getting it published, mm. all of that. I mean, it's like it's like a lot of things, you know, in the sense of like when when I got the book deal and everything, I was like, yeah. And then it was like, oh shit! Now I have to make this thing in like yeah four months or whatever. <laughs> uh, I did a pretty pretty. Um, comprehensive book proposal Mm. to start with. So given that this is a graphic memoir, it's not just, you know, and so it was, I was pretty clear and everyone bought onto it and believed in it from the beginning of like what this was, had was going to look like the visual identity of the whole book, how it was going to kind of take shape with, you know, the art, the graphs and the poetry that all kind of like, you know, uh, unilaterally tells a story, but it was so much work and it nearly killed me, you know, because <laughs> there was like, you know, deadlines, you know, it's like yeah. deadlines are my friend and they push me, but it was like, it was a lot. Cause you know, this isn't the only thing I'm doing too. You know, I have a lot of like work going on a lot. And I tried my best to kind of like push things on either end of the deadlines, but there mm. was still like, just, so um, it was hard and very, uh, just wonderful just to really sink my teeth into the making of this book, you know, cause it is, it's filled with so many charts and graphs and, you know, and all the ways that I know how to tell a story. Um, so it was so fun just to mm. be able to like have the platform and the, and the space to do that, you know, and, and to push it at first, it was like going to be 160 pages. And then I was able to push it to 192, which I had to like make so much more work for, but it was like all <laughs> worth it. Um, and then, you know, given the fact that like I turned in all the, you know, every single piece of this is designed by me, like every single centimeter of this book. Um, so written and designed. Um, so it was a lot, you know, yeah, that's a, typically was, not the case. No, no, yeah. of course. Even for people who do visual, who do graphic memoirs, they're not designing the book right. along with it. You know, they're right. doing, you know, like my friend Mari Andrew or whatever, as you know, mm-hmm. she writes it and she does, but she's not laying the text out. She's not thinking about like, you know, she's not, it's not everything. So it's, it's, it was a, you know, definitely like, whoa, I put a lot on my plate, but it was all worth it. Mm definitely worth it but then you know there is this aspect of like you turn in a book and then there's like seven eight months or something before it's released and i'm not used to that in a lot of ways uh as a visual artist you know um you know i'm used to like that quick satisfaction a lot of the time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh like like last year i had my first gallery show and i did the whole thing and like it was here in manhattan and i created 44 original pieces of canvas on 
and I did it in 12 days leading up to the show opening. Wow. And then it was like, but then you get this instant gratification of like the yeah. show and hundreds of people are coming and I'm selling people and it's like, okay. And then it's done. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. and, uh, this is a, this is an interesting process for me because it feels a little like you kind of have to go back. It's like the story is old. Then the making of the book is old. And, and then mm-hmm. you kind of have to, and now you're like promoting it as it's like, now it's like, it's an interesting. Did you get in your head a lot? Cause I I'd imagine I would like start to question things. I would start to like, Oh my God. Like, you thought about something like, I, I want to change this or whatever, but like just the waiting game, like how did, how did that, mm. how did that feel? I mean, I, when I turned in the files when I was done, I tried. Um, I think it was just so much pent up inside mm. just from like, just the story itself, you know, and like what a profound time that was for me, you know? Um, and so I cried, man. It was just like a lot. Um, but sorry, I forgot your question. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was just curious about like you mentioned, like this being very different than like the instant yeah. gratification, right? Like having to wait those seven months. Like, did you start to question yourself? Did you have like mm. doubts? Do you feel like anxious? Yeah, yeah, I felt I've I've felt a lot of anxiety about it the last you know six months or something because there's a lot of like. There's just a lot of like things with the publisher. You have to like, okay, you do a cover reveal and then you do this and you do that. And everything just kind of feels like these bread breadcrumbs that I'm not used to Mm. that don't, um, don't feel like natural to me in a sense. Like Mm. I'm used to just saying like, I have a Nike shoe out. It's available today. Come by. Or I have a gallery show in a week, you know, and I'm prepared, you know, these kind of things. Um, like this is out now or whatever. So it's, it's, it's been, uh, you know, it's been a lot of learning on my part in that way. And so, you know, I mean, is that the, like the marketing machine of like these types of things? Cause like I, I, you know, I me myself, like I create things and I do things and I'm just like, I don't want to, like, if people are going to find, like, they're going to find it. I don't want to market it. Marketing's like the worst. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's part of the game if you're going to play it, you know, it's like, yeah do this, do that, do this. But it's always for me, it's like, how do I make it as organic as possible? Yeah. Okay. I have to do an unboxing post. All right. But like, I'll do it now. I'll try to just do it as naturally as possible. That makes the most sense. And not, you know, it's just, yeah. And that's what it is. I don't get too hung up on that kind of stuff. Uh, I, you know, I've Good. always been, that's great. I, I've always been an avid self promoter too. It's always come very natural for me from the beginning. So it's that's like, great. I've always enjoyed sharing what I'm working on because for me, that's part of what fulfills my goal as a, as an artist, which is connecting to other humans. Yeah. And I want to share my journey. I want to connect to people. I want to have important dialogues and the more people who see it, the more that will happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would think. Um, And so it's always just been part of like a, it's never been something that, I've struggled with in that sense. That's um, obviously there's, a, there's times where I've taken on, you know, some work with a client where I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should, you know, or like you second guess things and then you learn and then you don't, you don't do it again. You know, yeah. I think yeah. early in my career, you know, or like six years, six, seven, eight years ago, 
when I started getting like a, a little bit of an Instagram following, you know, I started to do it. Like I would do these kind of things where I like, Oh, okay. You want to pay me a thousand dollars to go to a, like an ice cream shop and take a picture or something like, you know, for this brand or something. Okay. I'll do it. You know, yeah. just, but I would know, you know, and then, you know, like, okay, then you learn and you're like, no, nah, this is not, this is not serving or fulfilling me as an artist or an individual. And it's certainly not going to like, it's certainly not helping how I want to be perceived as a, as an artist Totally. or, you know, so you stop, you know, yeah. and yeah. You know, listen, that. so many, so many people came. I mean, I don't know. This is a bad, a bad example. Who, who's someone who came from a boy band who's, who's considered really good. You're asking I mean, listen, the wrong person. Beyonce came. Yeah. I mean, but no, people love uh, oh, yeah, Destiny's Beyonce, Child. Destiny's Child, yeah, right? Yeah. Destiny's Child was always considered really good. I was going to say yeah, Justin yeah. Timberlake came from NSYNC, but I like some Justin albums. Uh, he's a little, he's a little problematic, but um, I don't know. Joey Fatone was that a guy? <laughs> Joey Fatone, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that. I love the sort of generosity of spirit that you're talking about as an artist. I, I, I thought of Lisa Congdon as someone like mm. that, right? Like, amazing. She's Incredible. been on the show. Like, she is very much like that. Like, very generous. Very like let's share the thing. This is the thing I'm working on. And like, as someone who likes art, likes her art in particular, right? Like that jazzes me up, right? Like that is yeah. like, Oh, that's exciting. I, I would, I'm connecting to her excitement for this thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And exactly. that's, that's important to me. Um, I do have a question. No. Yeah. I do have a question. My friend Heather, who uh, is a fan of yours. Um, she wanted to know like, how the murals started for you. I know you do a lot mm. of murals nowadays. Mm -hmm. And like, what was your first one? Like what, what sort of got you into that doing murals? Mm. Well, first of all, hi, Heather. Great question. Nice to meet you. <laughs> um, secondly, uh, I did a mural for the Ace Hotel um, in 2010. It was my first mural. I had a full-time job. I just accepted an offer to go work for Apple. I was only a couple years out of school, out of design school. Mm -hmm. And I just accepted a job to move. I was still in New York and I was moving to the Bay Area to work for Apple. I was moving to San Francisco. And I did this mural here in New York for the Ace Hotel. And um, first of all, they weren't offering me any money. And I did a, I did a bartership with them. Um, and I know it's a controversial thing, you know, whether we sh as artists should ever do anything for free or not. Some people are very dogmatic. You never do it. Hmm. And I do think that there are times where you have to make the decision for yourself. Because for me, I was in a very privileged position. Obviously, I had a full-time job already. So the money of the ass, the, that kind of thing wasn't as like, you know, important in regard of like, the, you know, in kind of like comparison to the opportunity of being able to do a mural. Yeah. Um, and so I think everyone has to kind of make these calls on that. I know as a whole, it doesn't help the industry because it really devalues mm. our work. But if you can get something out of it, I think, but if, you know, you have a full-time job and like you've always wanted to do a mural and someone's going to get like a coffee shop down the street is going to let you do it. Well, you have to decide for yourself whether, you know, so yeah. anyways, I made the call and I did this and I locked myself in this hotel room for three days over Memorial day weekend. And let me have the, the, the hotel room. And they were, they were, they were, they would have different artists do murals in rooms mm -hmm. at the time. So I was chosen. Uh, I did a sketch 
They loved it. They approved it. I locked myself in this hotel room. I had no idea what I was doing. I spent three days uh, literally crying while I was doing it. <laughs> uh, I never felt so, you know, kind of like, um, I just never felt like so, uh, there was just this moment where like the physical, the mental, and the emotional all kind of like came together mm-hmm. while doing something, you know, doing a piece of art mm. that I never felt before, you know, and it made, it begged the question, which was, uh, it just felt so profound, that feeling, you know, yeah, and it really fit me. Uh, and I, I asked the question like, okay, how do I make myself have this? How can I search for this feeling for the rest of my life now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so part of that was I took amazing photos on the mural and I tried to promote the shit out of it online at the time <laughs> and luckily got on a bunch of different like design blogs and stuff like that. And I, you know, and I still do this to this day. I send out like a MailChimp like, quarterly about the work I'm doing. I'm always considering like no one knows who I am. How do you let more people know you're alive when you're doing mm. this kind of work? And so I was doing that with that mural. I was sending it to anybody I've ever had contact with professionally just saying, Hey, I'm excited about this. Check it out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so part of the story too, is that I, I, when I was saying I barely graduated high school. And so when high school is over, I worked full time painting homes and hanging wallpaper for many years for this man named Dave, who was like a life mentor to me for many years. And we worked in these really beautiful homes in Cleveland and, um, I painted and I hung a wallpaper. And so years later, connecting the dots with murals, the physicality of it all, understanding spatial relationships, understanding all of it clicks and makes sense in my head because I think I had already previously worked so many years on walls. You know what I mean? So it makes a lot of sense. So like even the, yes, the first mural I did, I was extremely nervous and I didn't know, but there was a familiarity with it of like Mm -hmm. the physicality being on this big wall and working and understanding like, so yeah. Um, And then I think I did my second one a year later, right when I just quit my job at Apple and then it, it, it took a while. And then like my third one, I think I did maybe six, months to a year after that so i'd only you know within like two or three years i did three murals mm-hmm. the other two were paid but i was working for myself at that point because apple was my last job so i was really you know out there hustling trying to get different kinds of work and stuff and but i really leaned in you know it's like anything you can lean in wherever i, I lean into like oh i kind of you sometimes you see an opening you're like okay there's a little <laughs> you're like a running back looking for a hole on the field yeah, like I see a little opening here. Like I'm doing these live drawings. People are really reacting to it. It's like sometimes you have to find like what is the thing most people respond to that also brings you the most joy, mm-hmm. and that's like this weird sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Now I you should that. still do the things that bring you a lot of joy that maybe a lot of people don't resonate with either. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like a lot yeah. of frontmen on bands have their little side band, and it's like you know <laughs> Eddie Vedder is still doing his like ukulele thing, but not as many people are buying it as they would a Pearl Jam album. You know, everyone. Yeah still do that but there's this point of like the sweet spot of like what brings you the most joy and what kind of connects to the most people yeah and i saw a little opening with that with murals and 
people love them and the the kind of showmanship of them doing them live doing them at events doing them in front of people doing them on the streets you know that engagement always really still like to the, it just brings me a, a lot of, of um fulfillment so mm. i leaned in you know and kept going with it yeah yeah so i love that great answer great answer to a great question can can one still like see pictures of that first Ace Hotel mural you did? Yes, you could Google my name and Ace Hotel. It's up on okay. all of Google. Also, I just did a post about it okay. on my Instagram. It's probably I don't know. It's probably from November. So if you go yeah. on my Instagram, there's a whole post about that mural and a lot of other things. Because, um, well, I won't get into it. But there's a whole there was a whole kind of like. There was a whole thing. You can find the post. It's from okay. <laughs> it's from uh, uh, November third, twenty twenty two. Oh my! Sounds good. I, I will check it out. It. I will check yeah. it out. Yeah. Well, let's start wrapping it up. Um, we always sort of wrap up the show, Timothy, talking about our empathy heroes. So, folks in our lives who are empathetic, mm. compassionate, feely humans, um, even characters from stories we love, movies, mm. uh, etc. I'll go first uh, to name my empathy heroes. My empathy heroes this week are anyone who joins my new membership community, which, uh, as of this recording, is is out. It's it's coming out in a few days of this uh, January 11th. And if you join and have joined already, I love you. I cherish you. I hope you're having a blast. And if you join before February 11th, I believe, uh, you'll get a founding member price, and um, I'm excited. I've been putting a lot of work the past year into this membership community. It's about uh, being witness to our whole humanity. Um, There'll be workshops and events uh, regularly, and I hope you can check it out. Go to feelyhuman.co slash membership is where you can check that out. But yeah, shout out to all the folks who have joined and maybe none of you joined, and I'm speaking from the past uh, like a little dum-dum, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> a lot of you have joined, and uh, it's overwhelmed with beautiful, feely humans. Any hoozles. Timothy, your empathy hero. My empathy hero probably changes all the time. Um, I was reading Toni Morrison recently, and she mm. said something about, like, um, you want to fly? you got to give up the shit that weighs you down. <laughs> and I just love that so much. Um, and I think that her writing and her kind of sensibility as a human is just, just drowns me in empathy. Like I just feel like this compassion and this um, kind of like uh, just worldly knowledge spiritual knowledge of 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 um just the act of, of existence and being human yeah. that really touches me so much and a lot of people do in that way obviously my therapist too shout out to my therapist i feel the same way mm. <laughs> love it love it yeah tony morrison therapists who see us great great empathy heroes love it mm. So, uh, Timothy, where can the feely humans out there connect with you? Uh, obviously, order uh, your book. I always think it's forever. Yeah. Um, and all that stuff. You can find me, follow me on Instagram at Timothy Goodman. 
Um, pretty active. Some would say very active. Uh, Twitter, you can follow me at Timothy O. Goodman. Um, not very active. Um, you can find me on other things as well, just by my name. Um, but uh, my book, you can purchase my book. Um, I have a website devoted to uh, kind of links and all that. It's tgoodman.com slash books. Great. So you can um, purchase from maybe one of your favorite indie bookstores. from, And it has a kind of description of the book and some pictures and all that. Um, and there's also a link there on that page to book events. So if you want to go there, if you happen to live in or close to the New York City area, there'll be some events the first week of publication. Then I will be in DC and Boston and Los Angeles um, in February. So if anybody listening is in or around those areas and would like to come, um, DC is already sold out, unfortunately, I believe, but maybe we'll figure something out. Um, awesome. And uh, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Where in, uh, I'm just south of LA. Where, what bookshop in LA are you doing an event at? It's at the um, the Grove Barnes and Noble. Okay, nice. That one's yeah. very exciting. It's with Debbie Millman and Roxanne Gay. Oh wow! Very lucky. Yeah, and uh, we'll be getting into it. Very cool. Much okay. like we just did. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, all of those links, listeners, will be in the show notes at feelyhuman.co. Timothy, what a delight uh, this was! What a delight you are as a soft, sensitive, feely human. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here, we're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, on Spyreme Pale Blue Dot. We have each other. It's you, me, empathy. Oh.